Hello, welcome to Podcast in Space. This is episode 17 and it is the 5th of April in the year 2018. We're in the future now, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I'm Alyssa Harris. I'm Lee Harris. And we're like talking about objects in space. Which is a video game. It is, well, I mean, I don't know. When you call something a video game, I mean, it is a video game now. It's just that it's arguably incomplete and kind of... Right, you know, like, is, it, is a prototype a video game? Is an alpha a video game? When does video game become art? When is video game at conception? Also, are you saying video game with one word or two? Um, hyphen. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, and you've alienated our entire audience. Yes. Sorry, everybody. And that's why we don't drink ouzo at 4pm on a Thursday. Speak for yourself, mammal. Okay. All right, enough banter and friendliness. Let's get to serious business. So we're going to do the same thing as last time, apparently, which means that we have a giant list of stuff, and we're just going to rattle off a huge, like, discussion of... Well, a short discussion of each thing as to exactly what it is that we did. I think, like, previously we were doing the podcasts with, like, the first half would be dedicated to general news, and then the next part would be an update on development. Yeah, and the general news is that we're making the game. Yeah, the general news is that we are still hermited away, sitting here bleeding from the eyes trying to get the game finished so we're just going to do the development update yep so should we start with that should we update yeah let's do that okay cool all right the first item on our list says polish phase yeah so my shoes haven't looked very shiny in a while like the the black ones anyway so we decided we'd do something about that Mm. and i have a polish friend who keeps on phasing in and out of existence it's a real problem they should get that looked at Mm. But in all seriousness, we are kind of at this stage where there is very little that's being added to the game at this point. Uh, everything that I've been doing lately regarding uh, you know, story and questline content and stuff like that has been about tidying things up and uh, doing testing and polishing of the different attributes of characters and storylines and stuff like that. Um, and when it comes to you know, the art department, we're mostly just importing existing stuff and rearranging it to make sure things look as good as possible at this point. Um, So I I think the game's going to take... Like, we will continue to be working on this after we release it. um, In I think the last time we spoke to everyone, we said May. Now we're saying late May, which is still May, so that's not technically an update. But, uh, yeah, so... After we release that, there's still definitely going to be some post-launch work to be done to try and get everything up to speed. But yeah, we are firmly in the stage of just trying to tidy everything up at this point. Yep. So the first couple of things on our agenda, uh, the opening of the game, I think I've spoken about that before, but uh, not just that sort of pre-you being dropped in the open world sequence. Um, I kind of realized after a bit of early testing that after dropping people in the open world with what is the most complicated game we've ever made, um, it's a little much to ask people to just kind of, you know, screw around and figure out what works, and I should probably do a little more to try and gently guide the player towards some of the things they can do. So, like, there's you know heaps of side quests and bits and pieces of story content that you can go and find, but I've been going and making sure that there are like small uh, micro stories that are just like a passenger going, hey, can you please take me from here to here? Or someone going, hey, did you know you can do a cargo run? Here is how your grappling arm works, but in narrative format. So I've just been sort of surrounding the player from their starting point with uh, 
low-key blink-and-you-miss-it type things. Um, and there's you know, emails and infopedia that you can always access on your ship. Just things that are constantly suggesting to the player um, this is what you could be doing. It's not like a railroading thing, it's not a tutorial, it's just early stage stuff that abounds. And that's a contrast to how I probably would have done it, you know, um, if I was the sole designer uh, on this game, because I probably would have shipped with an 800-page printed manual and no tutorial, and probably the whole game interface would have been, like, you know, green-hued text, whereas only, you know, it's, it's about a quarter of the game interface is green-hued text. Yeah, actually, that's... Yeah, there is. There's a, there's a lot more sort of Amiga-style point-and-click stuff now than there has been in, in past builds. This reminds me, actually, the scrolling news tickers we've got, they're currently grey. We should probably make them that kind of ugly LED bright red that you see on scrolling news tickers on the yeah. sides of buildings. Yeah, we could even do a font for it. Just make it look truly repulsive. Mm. Just give it a, make it a real eyesore so nobody wants to invest themselves in the game world because they're too busy. <laughs> they go like, well, I could read all the news headlines, but it gives me a headache. Well, that's how I feel about the news headlines generally. Yes, but that's because of the content, not the execution. <laughs> so, the content, not the font. So, I, I guess in keeping with trying to figure out if the opening is getting people into the game or not, I've been doing a lot more one-on-one sort of long-form testing, where I've just been reaching out to uh, friends of ours and going, Hey, can I watch you play our video game for a while? And they sit there and play the game from the beginning, and I just watch what they do. I want to know if they figure out how contracts work, how to make money. I've certainly seen someone bankrupt themselves, but I'm not convinced that's a bad thing yet. I want to see if people are frustrated by how difficult it is to make money or not, and I can make it a little easier if it's called for. But I guess the thing is, once people understand the basic systems, once they know how the game works, then I can sort of step back and rest easy. I don't need to watch over people's shoulders as they play through the entire game, which is long. I just want to know that they've gotten going, gotten started. What I want to do is shove a whole bunch of stats in so that we get a, uh, an anonymized thing coming through the Steam, the Steam stats stuff to tell us what people are doing in the game, yes. like where the most common places to visit are, yes. um, and what stupid mistakes people make, like how many times people have flown into a sun or mm. been destroyed because they got ripped apart by the gravitic damage from a, a, a um, dichromatic nebula or something oh it's going to be so important to try to make the game better like I, you know what i want i want heat maps i want like uh all the travel locations <laughs> so i can just like tweet out big maps of where traffic is the most dense according to our player base and see which star systems people are ignoring I have a hunch I know which star systems are the least interesting and therefore going to be trafficked the least, but I'd be curious to see it. Well, I reckon it'll be the ones with the jump gates people go to the most, obviously, mm. closely followed by the others that are still in the primary section, and uh, probably not very... You know what, there's a lot of things that take you to Diwali, so that's probably... A lot of things, yeah. Yeah, so they'll probably go there anyway. Diwali, like... So it was kind of funny, like... Um, <laughs> Ages ago, we wrote the you know backstory for all these different star systems, and Diwali is the farthest out star system from the center of the galaxy, and it's um, supposed to be this place that has been routinely fucked over by all the central systems and all its nearest neighbors, left out there and sort of forgotten, and um, most of its natural resources have been harvested, which is primarily gas. Um, 
but the thing is that there was something kind of tragically beautiful about the system. So all the writers for the game, when they got given access to the world and got to pick where they were going to write, a lot of them found it alluring and ended up putting a lot of content Wait, out so, there. Wait, so you could say that the primary export of Diwali is hot air? Are you suggesting that the stuff our writers have written is all hot air? They might be listening to this. Writers, thank you so much for your hard work. We love you all. Well, I do. Well, I meant because of the gas thing, but sure. <laughs> um, right. Well, animations. Uh, yes, animations. So um, the characters were actually animated quite a long time ago, but there was um, like there were so many things that were more important for me to focus on than actually implementing the things. So for approximately the last 70 billion years, um, since the first pre-alpha of objects in space... Um, all of the characters have done just the one idle animation and that's all. It's always been standing and they've been checking their watch. They don't have a watch. So that's actually quite interesting. We've gotten a lot of feedback from how much like people feel this pressure. Like, why does everyone hate me? They keep on looking at their watch like they want to be somewhere else. Yeah, I think I think even our... our um our liaison at the at our publisher said something like that <laughs> yeah at one point like no no there'll be animations don't worry it will look much much better it's not just intentional design choices because we're weird yeah i mean we wanted to create a universe that was a little bit sparse but not like no people are ever anywhere sparse uh but it's happening so we just had our very first look at an airlock that has like three or four npcs sitting there scrolling through um, yeah, sitting there scrolling through their animations, their idle things and stuff like that, and it's kind of cool just seeing a bunch of people there at once. It makes the place feel so much more alive. So that's one of the things i got to do in the next little while is uh, get some spawn points happening so that we can get more idle NPCs in the background and stuff to make the space stations feel like they're bustling hives of activity and stuff. Yep, and I'll need to do some audio work to add in like crowd waller and just basically make the space stations feel like you're not on board your ship. Mm. And if there's ever more than five NPCs in any one area, I think they should be doing a soccer chant like, ole, 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 ole. The okay. real question Let's is, put that did, in the maybe did, basket. Did, did we get Matt to animate enough things for us to do the YMCA video. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, you know, there's this station in the middle of nowhere where if you dock to it, there's just five people doing, yeah. the, doing the YMCA dance forever. Now I kind of want to just line up a whole bunch of the objects in space characters and have them do the bus stop. <laughs> uh, AI. Yes, there is some now. <laughs> that's, that's a positive. I mean, before, basically, they followed waypoints and shot at you, which is fine for a static demo where no one's playing more than five minutes of it. But yeah, um, ships. So what I don't currently have working yet and will get working over the next week is um, pirate stuff. But authority ships and merchants do the right thing. Mm. So, for instance, authority ships will go around. They'll pick something to scan if they haven't scanned. If nobody, none of the authority ships have scanned it for a while, they'll see if there's something um, untoward in the cargo hold. But they have to approach you first to do that. So you get exciting things like, for instance... Uh, if you decide you're going to travel something which is contra- uh, travel with something that's contraband through Leo, and you see an authority ship, you're going to be trying to avoid it. And then if it picks you up, you might get this message on your thing going, "Hi, yes, please just stay still. We're going to scan you. It's totally painless. There won't be a problem unless, say, you're carrying contraband." So it's kind of like the the way that this works is like the combat and the stealth of the game is really fun. We knew that from a really early stage when we showed it at Avcon in 2015 in Adelaide, which was the first time we had it playable in public. We knew that the combat and stealth mechanic was fun. The problem is that 
um, getting involved in scraps with pirates is not inherently profitable. So the idea that if you smuggle goods, you're still having to engage with that stealth mechanic as though you're lining up to shoot someone just without the actual firing part, but you're avoiding ships that are authority ships that are all over the place, like it injects the the more placid and peaceful version of gameplay with, um, yeah, with that kind of action-packed stealth gameplay, stealth gameplay that we're going for. So yeah, that's cool. What else? Uh, space station detail passes. Mm. So I've done the architecture. Yep. It was a painstaking and thing. Modular assets, concept art by Jenny, 3D models and textures by Matt, handed over to me with a deluxe room editor, and I've been using that room editor to make uh, sparse <laughs> architectural platforms only, and now they need stuff that makes them feel alive, including the aforementioned NPCs. And also the other thing is that I, I had to add in a bunch of stuff. Like, for instance, we've got customizable displays so that we can, you know, label bars and things like that. Uh, add, like, panels. You know how you, you see those, like, you know, ad shells at bus shelters that cycle through ads? We've got that. Um, so things like that are going in the game. Plus, on top of that, there's news tickers, uh, which means that, you know, if you uh, the idea is even if a player is not actually that interested they're not going to read like you know articles that come through in their inbox in game we're looking at you you know who you are um you like even if you're just going through a space station you will glance and see headlines so hopefully we sort of give a sense of what the world like because the, the headlines are all real like over the course of the game play if you uh, over, over the course of the game which is like three or four months in world you will see um all of these like news headlines and events that actually happen and so it's not just random generated crap it's all things that are actually sort of happening and if you then go to the news article uh, if you go to your computer you can actually download the news articles and have a read of them so yeah the headlines for those will appear on certain central space stations so that players who are ignoring reading the actual news articles get an idea and that's going to be cool um so yeah the detail passes will include like uh custom sizes of monitors with customized text that are non-interactive, where it's just a big thing saying, you know, Bar Cannon Cop, or Mr. Lee's Establishment, or something like that, next to a, a venue, so you know where it is, so that when an NPC says, hey, you know, meet me at Jenny's Bar in Kansas, you can actually go and find said bar. Um, so that signage, news tickers, ads, ad shells, NPC spawn points, decals. Matt just uh, provided us with a whole bunch of semi-transparent things, so like the uh, the emblems and flags and logos and stuff like that for the different nations will appear around the place. Basically, we're just trying to liven it up, but I feel like we should move on from this part because since none of you have seen the space stations, us making them look sexier is kind of like saying, add X to X, and that's not very exciting. Well, I mean, the the other thing that's kind of interesting with the um, that, that I've been doing in terms of detail pass stuff, so it's something else that I added recently, just because I'm a terrible human being, um, I changed it so that sometimes if you get damage to the main section of your ship, one of the monitors on your ship ah, can yes. break and slightly fall off the wall and end up with a crack on it. And until you fully repair your ship at a starbase, that crack and that monitor being at a slight angle will be there forever. Yeah, it's a little difficult to try and control it when your mouse cursor is not perfectly aligned. Yeah, it's irritating as fuck, which is kind of the idea. So basically, like, if, you, if you're if you in a core system and something bad happens, it won't take you much to go, oh, goddammit, and just autopilot back to wherever it is you are. However, um, if you aren't actually... Uh, 
if you're like out in a in, in an outer rim sector, an uninhabited sector, uh, then it might take you a while to get back, and you're suddenly left with like a helm control that's like at a ten degree slant and has a weird crack, so you can't read what that character is. So, yeah, there's a bunch of little detail things like that that are going to be kind of cool. We were hoping to be able to get like a full map of like uh, decals of scuff marks and dirt and things like that that would accumulate over time on your ship. And uh, when you repaired it, it also counted as like a wash of your ship or something. Um, I don't know that we're going to get time for that in time for the launch, but the the functionality is there. Well, I mean, there's always stuff like, you know, a lot of this functionality and, and gameplay is stuff that we can, you know, flesh out and put into it over time, especially if the game's selling well enough that we're still developing on it. It's kind of mm. one of the major differences, I guess, between developing a game now and doing something several generations ago is that you know we're still going to be doing updates and and like no matter how polished we think the game may be and no matter how much it's supposed to be 1.0 you still see updates all the time on uh, through steam and itch.io and stuff like that and that's kind of a good thing mm. um so next up the pda which is the little uh it's kind of like an ipad but terrible yes so like an ipad 2 <laughs> um zing which um, has all of your stuff in it. You can hit tab and you can pull it out at any time. And it's how you have, uh, it's your universal translator, which is our in-world excuse for the conversations that you have with NPCs being in text and not in voice. Because um, as we just tweeted a few seconds ago, we've got approaching half a million <laughs> words of just dialogue in the, the, in the content for this game, which is a remarkably large amount. Um, so yeah, we don't have what's that? What's that thing called again? A budget. So um, what do you mean we have a budget? It's just about half the size of what we need to manage even one of us working. You know, so a couple of people have asked me whether or not we could do text to speech, like implemented as a as a thing. I have no Techni- Technically, yes. I just think that's a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, I'm just. Why does everybody sound like Siri? Well, sorry, I'm just lost thinking about. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, PDA, one of the bits of functionality, basically the the thing is this, when you're in a conversation with an NPC, you can't quit out and walk away because uh, NPC conversations are purpose-built, they are one-offs, and if you ever leave the conversation, there is no coming back. There are consequences built into the fabric of the game. So if you wanted to go and, for instance, check on how far away a location was, that an NPC was talking about. So like an NPC is saying, hey, can you please uh, smuggle you know, me and my husband to this nearby star system? It would be great if you could actually check where that star system was and figure out whether or not it was on your way because you might already have a contract to deliver some goods to somewhere else. And if you don't know where that star system is, it'd be good to have that handy. So Alyssa added a map, um, the in-game world map. Yeah, so you basically you have, uh, well, I mean, there's a ton of things now. You can go and have a look at all the information you'd expect, what's in your cargo hold, um, your map of, of things, a current list of contracts you've got, or notes, like mission notes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it helps a lot being able to actually access all of this stuff. The notes thing is something I've added just very recently. Um, it's been one of those things that's like a long time coming, Um it's just a little section of your PDA that is like your quest log. 
and I've been going through and adding those just in the last week or so to different stories. So whenever you agree to go and meet someone somewhere, it pops up and says, hey, I said I'd meet such and such here. Yeah, so the, the principal difference uh, between our notes section and the majority of video games kind of current quest logs is that we wanted ours to feel naturalistic. So basically what it means is like the way we originally envisaged it years ago was back in our foolishness, we were just going to let players write shit down. So it's like they had to actually remember to take notes. Actual this... pen and paper. Yeah. We were going to be that mean to you. Yeah. I but still kind of like that. Idea. I like the idea, but what we ended up doing was basically going, well, let's pretend that the character in universe is doing it. Some games have done this, and I think it sort of adds a lot to it. Um, but uh, so what we've effectively got is um, something where it's it's a more naturalistic look at notes. It's not like this quest is active. It will just tell you what you agreed to do and what you've current what your next step in that is. Mm. So it's actually been a really easy thing to add, which is so I was very worried this was going to be a nightmare. But because we've got all these like timed flags going off, which is just background stuff that says the player took too long and never actually got to this location like they said they would. Um, we already have all of that stuff so that you'll get like a message from someone saying, hey, you said you were going to meet me here and you never did. Um, so it's really easy for me to go back and just look at those timed flags and go, cool. So once they accept this flag, um, this mission, this flag gets set. If they take too long, this flag gets set. And if they go there and actually talk to the person, this flag gets set. So as long as flag A is set and flags B and C are not set, this note exists. Um, yeah, I... I was surprised, pleasantly surprised by how easy that was to make happen. But yeah, the PDA is basically your one-stop shop. You will always have access mid-conversation now to any information you might need to make vital decisions when having conversations with NPCs. What else? So, contract stuff. Mm. More contract changes. <laughs> Turns out that's a really complicated system. Yeah. Well, it's also... I think, like I was saying to you the other day, it took me about one or two months to do the data entry for the contracts, just like creating all of the different variants of contract that there could be. Um, but there were, there were a couple of things which we uh, have had to get rid of to make the contract system work. This is like your primary money-making economy. Um, you take contracts from an employer to take goods from A to B, you do that and they go, sweet, here's a bonus and a whole bunch more contracts are now available to you. So when you go around, you've got more contracts at more locations available. But each employer is based in a certain region. So if you take all of your jobs from Capital Engineering, you'll be fine in Leo and Tega and Magella or Maru or something like that. But if you go out to Parsis, your reputation with Capital Engineering is going to be useless. Whereas if you're already contracted with the Parsis People's Union and you're in Parsis, that's fantastic. But you go out of there and it means nothing. So yeah, it's kind of like uh, the more time and effort you put into working for people in certain areas, the more lucrative those areas will become in a really naturalistic way. But what we've had to kill uh, to make it work is we wanted to add the ability for the player to take multiple contracts at once. And the reason is this. We, can't, we want you to be able to screw this up. <laughs> Enough rope, the video game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, th this is not meant as a slight uh, or like I'm not trying to, to fuck with you all but I, I want you to be able to take more contracts than you can handle and fail to get enough of them complete within a short frame of time that a bunch of people are mad at you and then have your reputation with those employers sink 
as a result so that you learn not to do it again because I think one of the things that's really important about our game world not giving you do-overs like there's no oh no you failed better try that again type states is that you you do need to kind of get used to this idea that if you say you're going to do something you'd better be prepared to do it yeah it's, it's one of those things that um by deciding that basically the, the closest to a fail state in the game is if you literally get your ship exploded it will load back to the previous starbase you're at so your previous save point is that. But if you're on a starbase, every decision you make is final. It updates your save game as you go. Whether it's take a contract, talk to a person and agree to do a thing, sell something from your ship or something like that. It's intended to make the consequences work. But it does mean that also we couldn't allow fail states to... like We, we couldn't allow failures to be absolutely terminal and too nasty because that's just too evil. So basically it means that, um, you know... If you completely stuff things up and end up like bankrupt and with a whole bunch of things hating you, if you go to a different sector, you can still start again, but your options become more limited. Like, it's possible to end up in a situation where it's like, okay, uh, I can't take this contract because I don't want to go to Leo because if I dock at any Leo station, they're going to hit me up for the absurd amount of money that I owe them because of that small incident that time that they caught me smuggling that thing and I don't want to talk about it. But basically, <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, it's something we want to do is make sure that like there's constant ability to have small failures um, that will affect your gameplay, but none of them will entirely stop you from continuing beyond yeah. a certain point. And like, it's kind of like uh, when, when people talk about emergent gameplay in terms of like a physics engine interacting with itself in really weird ways, I think what we wanted was to have enough complicated economies and enough uh, varied... Uh, variety of uh, NPC potential quests and stuff like that that you can screw up and it will detrimentally affect your income and you might just have to go well I've ruined my reputation here and leave for elsewhere and it, I don't know whether or not we've got an accessible or easy way to do that built into it yet but that's the theory yeah I mean we'll, we'll sort of finish it all off by the skin of our teeth in order to get it there in time and then everyone can you know learn with us whether or not we got that right yeah it's going to be an interesting process so the stuff that we had to kill from contracts we used to have you know in order to facilitate you being able to take on as many contracts as you like and fail as many as you like uh, we used to have contracts that allowed you to just gather a certain amount of a particular good and uh, service a particular space station with it um, but they were proving quite difficult on a technical level so they've just been removed and there are also no contracts that are for you to take multiple different types of cargo from one location to another yeah we originally had that so you could have a, the contract is you must take 10 units of oxygen and 10 units of whatever the hell it is so you're carrying like 40 tons of stuff but it, we ended up finding that it was just too much of a pain to, to stuff around with plus indicating all that detail to the player when you can also take multiple contracts is a bit problematic mm. so in a sense it's kind of all been broken down into much more sim much simpler stuff so instead of having you know one contract where you can take a whole bunch of oblique weird sort of combinations of things instead it's well you would just take multiple contracts and each individual one each bespoke contract is is you know for a specific one of those things so i think part of it was like if players could take a contract and then cancel it Let's say the contract is you pick up 20 units of gold and you take it from A to B. And you go, okay, cool. You take the contract, you pick up the gold, and then you cancel the contract and you've still got 20 units of gold in your cargo that you did not pay for. And if you then go and sell that gold and make a tidy profit, 
uh, I guess we were a little worried that players would sort of rig the system and just screw people over to get a huge amount of money at the very beginning. Um, so yeah, you're not able to drop contracts. It doesn't stop you from selling gold in that way, but I think this is where the multiple employers thing comes in and the rather drastic penalties for not fulfilling a contract. Yeah. So anyway, contracts, they're a thing. And while we're on that subject, um, there are a couple of like peripheral contracts uh, or contract systems that we want in the final game. I don't know how many of these we'll manage to get when we drop it, but um, we wanted a series of contracts which involve you hacking, which is to say sneaking up very close behind a ship and activating a hacking module while you're in their blind spot, because all ships have a blind spot behind them. And then you can go, sweet, I hacked it and I get a little bit of money and we have contracts like that. That will be cool. I don't know if we'll get it in the game, but it'll be, um, if not on launch day, it's a thing that'll be fun. Uh, salvage contracts, which is to say errant cargo has been spotted in space that must have been jettisoned or left over from a battle or something. Can you please go and retrieve it? Scavenging contracts, which is a similar sort of thing, but you're ransacking ships that have been found out in space like derelicts. Um, bounty hunting contracts, which is this person is a menace and needs to be taken out. Can you please go to this star system and deal with them? Um, so there's a whole bunch of different contracts outside of the core trading stuff, and we're hoping that'll uh, we're hoping some of these make it into the game at day dot. But if they don't, this is the stuff that's on our list to try and add in over time. Um, so I guess speaking of which, we really are not very far off, are we? No, we're really close to doing the thing where other people can play it just by, you know, giving us some shiny space bucks. But I don't want other people to play it. They'll get all, like, judgy. It's nicer when we're sitting here going, we know whether the game's good or not. Do we? I don't know. It's been I'm too close yeah, to you, it Yeah, you kind of look at it and just see, like, you know, every tiny floor or whatever. It's the problem with making your own video games is that you can never truly enjoy them. <laughs> That's just not entirely well, true. The more complex the I, game, I the more you can find say... to enjoy in it. Like, I found that, like, you know... Um, anything I do that's very narrative where I feel like I already know everything that's in it is kind of boring whereas you know finding stuff that happens that I didn't expect in objects in space is the fun part and it's the advantage of doing something systemic which is pretty much most of what we've done Mm. or released anyway so I guess yeah we are really really coming up on on a release people you will all be able to play it really really soon Um, the very first time Alyssa and I spoke about this game was in late 2013. We had a meeting in October in the corner of Epiphany Games' studio and played around with a whiteboard while Alyssa outlined how this game would be nice and achievable. Yeah, back when, <laughs> back when it was pixel art and 2D, and at that point as well, the, the story components were going to be much more simple. Yeah. Fun times. Yeah. In any case, um, yeah, it's been a long time coming, and we're exhausted and terrified and excited and it should be good Um, but on the bright side releasing a game on steam is it gives you immediate access to all of the people that love your game passionately and uh all of the people that really just want to give you a zero star review and send you hate mail oh those people are the best i just realized how much it's got in common with uber you know i caught my first uber recently I didn't know whether to give the person five stars or one star or three stars or what the general culture was. But Did th- they say something racist or get you where you were going? Sexist, actually. Yeah, we had that a while ago. That was my that was first fun. Uber experience. And I'm like, so do I... 
what what do I do? Do I like give them the damning four star thing? Yeah, I, I still don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. Yeah. Regardless, um, hopefully you'll feel like giving us more than uh, the damning four stars. Yeah. So we'll be dropping a trailer very soon. As soon as this detail passes down on the space stations, and as soon as we've got all these background NPCs with their animations working in the background so everything looks and feels nice and alive, we are going to start recording footage, and we're going to be dropping a trailer, which is kind of designed to... Um, like if you've been following the podcast, you kind of have an idea of the scope of the game. You already know roughly what to expect. We've been talking you through all the different systems and how they all work, but I think anyone who's been only half paying attention probably doesn't quite know the size and scope of Objects in Space. So we're going to put together a trailer and we're going to drop the trailer with a sort of, oh yeah, by the way, here's the date and it's really, really soon type thing. And it's kind of a floodgates are open type moment. Yeah, that's really soon. It's, yeah. It's I'm, also like right yeah. after my birthday as well. <laughs> Soz. No, I know. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll survive. Because I'm sure someone will get me a bottle of whiskey for my birthday. So everything will be okay. Is that... Are you fishing for a whiskey? No, but you can pretend I was. And that way there's an extra higher than usual chance that I'll get a bottle of whiskey. The problem is I know the money will come out of what little money we have in the culprit account. So... Uh, let's not think about that. So right. I guess to summarize... Yeah, we will be dropping very, very soon a trailer and an announcement of a date and how it's all going to work. And um, yeah, you will hear from us very, very soon on that front. And the trailer is going to be very much like a, a 101 what the hell is objects in space type thing. It's going to just like the, the messages I want people to take away from this trailer are it's submarines in space. It's an open world. Uh, here's where you can when and when and where you can get it. And oh, God, it's huge. Like, as in... Phrasing. <laughs> no, I just mean, like, um, so, there, yeah, this is not a game where we're, like, toying around with a couple of mechanics to see if it's cool, and we'll throw it up in its earliest possible prototype stage, and if people seem to be buying it, then we'll keep working on it. We kind of, we invested hard in this game and made the scope something very, very large very early on. And I kind of want that to come across in the trailer. So we're probably going to be bombarding people with, you can do this and this and this and this and this. Oh my God, so much stuff you can do. Yeah, I feel like um, I was thinking about this today and it sort of fits with the mentality that I think we've been working towards, which is it's like a AAA game that was made in the late 90s. <laughs> yeah. like it, has, it has all the scope you would expect from a AAA game, but it has a visual style and a kind of... Um, functionality that I think is much closer to a late 90s game, hopefully with a much better user interface though. So a lot of those games, they weren't quite sort of they don't stand up so well if you're having to play them and you know, in, in the modern age in the era of you know decent UX for games. It feels weird to do a podcast about objects in space right now because previously we just were like hey, we're working on this system and here's how it works and the release felt really far away. <laughs> yeah. This feels different. Anyway, I think you've heard enough from us. We're already like well over the time our podcasts usually go for, but there's so much to talk about. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll probably do one more before release. Probably do like the sort of let's drink whiskey the day before release and, and or something like that. But um, who knows? Hmm. All right. Um, well, have fun with whatever it is you're doing and keep an eye out for like the rapidly approaching object in space releasiness. Hmm. I, how, oh, can I can I end on a pun? 
watch this space. That was a terrible pun. I immediately apologize. Why would you apologize for a pun? This is always a bad idea. Bye. Bye.